This morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us, the book of Joshua, chapter 1. And again, on June 2nd, I'll, uh, I'll be talking about some things I've learned through, through the years, and hope you come to that. And by the way, in one of those pictures, I, did, I forgot to mention the first service, uh, there's a picture of me kneeling. Behind me is a 15-foot crocodile. And uh, our guide told us where to stand because crocs move fast. And, I, it, and finally, after we took the pictures, it went in the water. But you can see in the background, it looks like a log. It's actually a 15-foot crocodile, and so uh, kind of cool in, in Botswana. By the way, I'm wearing an Alabama tie. I figure it'll be the last time you'll see an Alabama tie. Because I doubt the next pastor will be from Alabama, and he may not even wear a tie. So either way, that's okay. But, uh, and so in honor of our girls' softball team, they keep winning. So there. Now, you can go on with life. The pastor wore his Alabama tie. The book of Joshua, chapter 1. Is a fascinating book, the whole book of Joshua. And this chapter sets the foundation. And sometimes, as I've said, we read the Bible too fast. I think we need to slow it down and, and try to figure out what's going on because something is going to take place in this, this passage that is extraordinary. That somehow, somehow we just quickly read over. So let's look at it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am given to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot tread, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. And courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Pray with me. Father, speak to us now with clarity as we look to the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On April 12, 1945, the 32nd President of the United States. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, died in Georgia at the age of 63. Having served as president since 1933, he guided the nation through the Depression. Now he was leading the nation through a world war. It's almost impossible for us to explain his popularity at this time. 
he was elected four times, and scholars believe he would have been reelected again. In fact, they changed the Constitution because they said someone like FDR could be a president for life. He was their leader. He was their president. He was leading them through a crisis, and it was a crisis. The whole world was at war. Many people considered him equal to Winston Churchill, a politician, a statesman, a leader. And then he died. His replacement, a former businessman from Missouri named Harry S. Truman, who wasn't even Roosevelt's first choice as vice president. He wasn't even his second choice. He was his third choice, and only because it was a compromise to move the party forward. Not only that, he didn't keep Truman up on what was going on. Truman only met with Roosevelt a few times before he died. Roosevelt never even told Truman about the atomic bomb. He kept it to himself. It's kind of hard to imagine this. Here's Roosevelt. He is a know Harry Truman's name. America, because we are in war, and now we're going to be led by an unqualified nobody. At the height of the war, this inexperienced, unknown politician was going to take the place of the most popular president probably in history at the time. Truman later said when he heard the news, he went off by himself to gather his thoughts. And while he was by himself, he realized Roosevelt is dead and I'm the president. And that's when he got up and decided I'm going to make a difference. It's happened many times before, leadership change. It happened the first president we had, George Washington. When he said he wasn't going to run another term, people wondered who was going to take his place. And John Adams became the president. In fact, many people thought it was going to be the end of a nation. In fact, there's a great scene in the musical Hamilton when King George wonders who's going to take George Washington's place. And he hears that John Adams. And he says, John Adams, that small man, he's going to take the place of George Washington? You see, we always wonder who's going to be next. Because here's the fact of life. Leaders come and go. It's a constant of life. You've heard me say it many times. Change is constant. Change is scary. I understand. But you, you don't like change. It makes no difference. Change is always coming. You cannot escape change. I mean, we like to believe nothing will ever change, but that's not true. I mean, I've been here almost 21 years, but in all honesty, I've only been your interim. There's always an interim because there's always someone else in the wings. God is always preparing. Whatever you're doing, you're just an interim because there's change. And the question we therefore must ask is, what do we do in these changes, especially leadership changes? In this text this morning, it's an incredible text because this may be the greatest leadership change in history other than Jesus giving the apostles to Peter. I mean, I want you to consider who Moses was. Israel considered Moses the greatest prophet ever. He was the one who spoke to God face to face, and he was the one who spoke for God. Israel considered him the greatest lawgiver. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Moses gave, wrote the, the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He was considered Israel's greatest historian. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. He was considered Israel's greatest saint. In the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3, it says, he was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. 
He led the people for 40 years. He led them out of Egypt. He led them through the wilderness. He's on the verge of the promised land. Everyone knew the story of Moses. His credentials, second to none. He was being groomed to become Pharaoh. He had the best education the world had to offer. So he was taught astronomy. He was taught mathematics. He was taught logic. He was taught military science. He was considered to be a next Pharaoh. Therefore, they considered him to be a god one day. He was given anything he so desired, and he turned his back on it. He spent the first 40 years receiving the best education the world had to offer. Then he spent the next 40 years on the backside of a desert learning solitude, the desert, and patience. While in the desert, he had an encounter with God, a burning bush. Then Moses returned back to Egypt with spiritual power. He stood before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and said, let my people go. Moses led a war against the Egyptians' gods. Go back and look at all those plagues. Every plague was an attack on an Egyptian deity. Then Moses led the people out of Egypt. He led them to the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. By the way, you don't forget parting seas, okay? That's always going to be in your mind. Moses met God on Mount Sinai. Moses received the Ten Commandments. God met him on the mountain. In fact, when Moses came down, the Bible said he glowed because he'd been in the presence of God. Moses led the people up through the wilderness. He protected the people. He was really their prophet. He was their priest. He was their king. Moses, with all of his training in combat, his leadership skills, that's what it took to get them to the promised land. And now, he's dead. Who's his replacement? Joshua, the son of Nun. What's his resume? Slave. That's his resume. He, He never went to the Egyptian West Point. He never spent 40 years in the wilderness. He never met God face to face. He'd been a slave. That's his credential. And here's God saying, all right, Joshua is going to be your leader. Moses is dead. So Joshua, you're the leader. Are you kidding me? We know Moses and you're no Moses. Can you even imagine how how Joshua's feeling? I'm taking Moses' place? In Huntsville, I replaced a a pastor, really a legend in the state. The irony of ironies, he baptized Eileen when she was a girl at Gardendale Baptist. So right before I went to Huntsville, he gives me a call. He said, I just want to congratulate you coming to Huntsville. And and if anything I can do for you, let me know. And I said, well, Dr. Nunn, let me just say something. You baptized my wife when she was a little girl. Uh, Her name was Eileen Elmore. He thought for a moment, oh, yeah, I remember Eileen. And then he told me everyone he baptized that day. And then he asked about Eileen's parents, Grady and Genevieve. And then he asked about her sister and brother, Leanne and Paul. And I'm getting sick to my stomach. (laughs) That was years ago, and he remembered their name. I don't remember my name half the time. How do I follow someone? And by the way, he had a gift. He never forgot a name. That's not my gift. I can't even imagine following Moses. But see... Sometimes we forget something. At Westminster Abbey, there's a a statue in honor of John and Charles Wesley. The statue has these words on the bottom, written by Charles Wesley. God buries his workmen, 
but carries on his work. You know what that says? God's work will always be carried on by different people. There's always someone waiting to do the job. No one, no one is irreplaceable. Nick Saban, the Alabama f- football team, and you knew I was going to use this. <laughs> he learned a lesson from Bill Belichick. During a practice session, he'll blow a whistle, point to a player, and say, you're injured, get off the field. And the next person has to come in and perform perfectly. He says, you're all replaceable, and you better be ready. There's always someone waiting in the wings. When Steve Jobs left Apple, the world wanted to know who's going to take Steve Jobs' place. I mean, he's a genius. He was a genius in marketing and motivation. He was a master visionary. I mean, you think of one of the most incredible entrepreneurs the world has ever seen. He was the creative force behind the iMac, the iPad, the MacBook Air, the iPhone. So who's going to take his place? And when they announced that Tim Cook was going to be the new leader, most people said, who's Tim Cook? And those that knew Tim Cook said, He's no Steve Jobs. I mean, you want Tim Cook to replace Steve Jobs? I mean, his strength is operation. He's not a visionary. He's a system guy. He's not a leader. He graduated from Auburn. (laughs) But in 2011, Apple, when Steve left, Apple was worth $340 billion. Today is around $2.4 trillion. There's always someone in the wings. You see, Joshua resume said slave, but it also said something else. Intern of Moses. For 40 years, Moses had been training Joshua. Been preparing him for this moment of his life. Joshua was taught the lessons. Moses had to learn the lessons by himself. That's the difference. Moses taught Joshua to be a leader. He taught him to be a soldier. You read the book of Joshua, there are many battles. Joshua is a a masterful uh, tactician. He learned it from Moses. So what do you do? What do you do when there's change? So let me give you three things. What do you do when there's a leadership change? Number one, let go of the past. Let go of the past. Look at verse two. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and cross the Jordan. Now, Joshua knew Moses was dead, but here's God saying to Joshua, Joshua, I want you to remember, Moses is dead. You got to let go of the past. People and families and organizations and institutions are always in trouble when they focus on the past too much. When our nostalgia talk is more than our future talk, we have a problem. One of the saddest things is when people always talk about the things they've, done, uh, they've accomplished in the past, but they don't talk about what they've accomplished in the present, and they don't talk about the future. That's sad to me. Now, don't misunderstand. We are to celebrate the past, and we're not to forget the past. I get that, but we have to let go of the past. God is telling Joshua, Moses is dead. The past is over. Joshua, you're the leader. God is telling Joshua, Moses led you here. Now, Joshua, you will lead them there. God is telling Joshua, Moses led you here because I prepared him for this assignment. But Joshua, I prepared you for the next assignment. you got to let go of the past. Both Both of these men are great leaders. Both are different leaders. Both took different journeys to get where they came to start leading. God never uses the cookie cutter approach to leadership. Your next pastor is going to be different from me. And that's okay. 
Yeah, you say, how do you know that? Well, because if he wasn't going to be, if, if he was going to be like me, why, why would God ask me to, to retire? No, God doesn't need another me. He needs someone else. So, for example, some of you may have heard this before. You know, you take an ordinary deck of playing cards and you shuffle them one time. The order of those cards have never been replicated in the history of the world, nor will it ever be replicated. It's based on math. It's a factorial of 52. Factorial, for example, a factorial of three is equal six because that's three times two times one. Factorial five is 120 because that's five times four times three times two times. Well, a factorial of 52 is 52 times 51 times 50 times 49. You know what that is? That's an eight with 67 zeros behind it. This is what they say. If someone could rearrange a deck of cards every second of the universe, total existence. The university, the universe would end before they would get to even one billionth of the way to find a repeat. It's impossible. In the same way, you'll never find the same leader. God uses our past to develop us. God uses us. How God prepared us in the past determines how we serve now. So let me give you some examples. Let me tell you about my life, okay? This is why I do certain things. Most of you notice I I don't really do a lot of personal illustrations. I I do sometimes. I don't really talk about me. I don't talk about my family a lot. You know why? My mom. My mom hated it. I remember after church, we had a pastor always talked about his family. My mom just hated it. Oh, he's just bragging. Why doesn't he talk about Jesus? He thinks his children are perfect. I think he's just lazy on his sermon preparation. Now, we have perfect children, but I don't talk about them. (laughs) So I have this voice in my head, don't talk about your family. Don't talk about you. Now, is that wrong? Absolutely not. The next guy may talk about his family every sermon. That's okay. But that's why I do it. People say, you know, Pastor, I love the way you do funerals. Do you know why, how I do funerals? Because I grew up going to a lot of funerals. We had a lot of death in my family growing up. And I listened to the criticism of them talking about the funerals. So when my dad died, his funeral, the pastor never mentioned his name. And I remember the family saying, that was an embarrassment. He never mentioned his name. Or my uncle's funeral. The pastor never gave hope or encouragement. There were lost people in that room. Never t- gave a word of encouragement about what Jesus could do. Or at a relative funeral, a friend of my uh, mom's husband died. And the pastor was going up before the funeral, and he was going pew by pew, shaking people's hand, he was laughing. And, and I remember her saying, my husband's dead, and he's laughing, shaking hands. Now, is, is there anything wrong with going up, shaking hands? Absolutely not. But I heard that, it made an impression on me. You see, God sends us this journey. People say, yeah, Pastor, you're easy to understand. You don't use big words. You know why? I grew up with a speech impediment. I couldn't say big words. And so I had to take big words and find small words to, to communicate it. And then after a while, that's what I started doing. The next pastor may be able to say big words and not even think about it. People say, well, yeah, Pastor, I love your stories and your illustrations. Do you know why? Because in 1991, I made a commitment to find an illustration a day before I would go to bed. So every year, I have three, at least 365 different illustrations and stories. And then I, per- I go through them and purge them. I have filing cabinets full of stories and illustrations I've never used. I have thousands of stories in Evernote 
Because every day, that's what I do. The next guy may not do that at all. He may not tell stories or, or history lessons, but that's okay. He'll, he'll, he'll communicate another way. You have to understand, God will use your past to bring you to a place. The next guy will, not, will be different. He won't be worse. He'll probably be better, but his path will be different. Let go of the past. Number two, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. He says to Moses, uh, he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross the Jordan. Hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. You can't stop time. It's time to get going. Now, we know of the book of Deuteronomy, they spent 30 days in mourning. And, and God says, all right, you've had enough time. Now, let's move. I've given you an assignment. I led you out of Egypt to the promised land. It's up to you, Joshua, to go into the promised land. Now, God is saying to us, we need to keep moving forward. The next pastor comes. You can't go backwards. You've got to move forward. You've got to keep moving forward. God is reminding Joshua of his assignment. He says, go claim this land I've given to you. In verse 3, he said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. In other words, Joshua, as long as you are moving, I will be blessing you. But if you don't move, I won't bless you. He said, go do what I assigned you to do. I have given you the victory. I've given you the land. All you have to do is go claim it. That's the message God has given to the people. You can stay where you are, but the promise is somewhere else. You can stay where you are, but the miracle is across the Jordan. You can stay where you are, but I'm calling you forward. You can stay where you are, and you will miss the blessings of God. There are so many churches, they're missing the blessings of God because they will not move forward. They are afraid to move at all. You see, a lot of people, what they want to do, they want to wait until all the obstacles are gone. But you read the scriptures, you'll find many times God uses the obstacles as the hinges for opportunities. That's what he's going to do in the book of Joshua. As you move forward, as you move through the obstacles, they will be open up to become opportunities. And so when God says to the people, he says to us now, if you want to see God work, you got to move forward in faith. Knowing that as you move forward, yes, there may be obstacles, but those obstacles will always lead to more opportunities. We have spent years planning for the future. We spent time and money planning for the future. And this church needs to move forward to claim what God has given you. You cannot just stay still. Now, I get some people are still afraid. They're afraid of sacrifice. They're afraid. But God says, you must move forward if you're going to see my hand upon you. And third, remember God is the true leader. Remember God is the true leader. Look at verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. There's a wonderful promise there people miss. He's saying to Joshua, I'm going to be with you just as I was with Moses. Now, for 40 years, Joshua had been watching Moses. He knew what Moses did. Moses stood before Pharaoh, said, let my people go. Moses brought down the plagues. Moses led the people out of Egypt. Moses parted the Red Sea. The Bible says for 40 years, Their shoes never wore out. For 40 years, they never ran out of food. For 40 years, they never lost a battle. And the people were saying, Moses, he's an incredible person. And I know people, I I guarantee you, someone said to Joshua, hey, Joshua, you never stood up to Pharaoh. 
hey, Joshua, I've never seen you part water. Hey, Joshua, you never saw God face to face like Moses did. Where Moses is dead. And God says to Joshua, here's a secret, Joshua. I'll be with you like I was with Moses. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying to Joshua, it wasn't Moses. It was me. It wasn't Moses. I did all that. I did all of it. And I'll do it for you. And I will never leave you. That's an incredible promise. He doesn't promise him an easy road. They didn't have one. He doesn't promise unlimited victory. They're going to lose some battles. He doesn't promise them no tears or struggle. They're going to suffer. But they're going to claim the promised land. Because God says, it's not about Moses. It's about me. Everything you saw Moses accomplish, it wasn't him. Joshua, it was me. And everything you will accomplish, it's not you. It's me. And so the bottom line is this. Whatever I accomplished here, it was God. And whenever I messed up, that was me. It's always about God. And then the day, the leader is not as important as the fact that God is going to work through him and God work through you. That's the bottom line. Whoever the new pastor is, whenever he comes, is going to be based upon God in his life. And God tells Joshua, the people must be strong and courageous based on you too. Are you ready? Are you ready for that next phase? This, mo- this morning, are you committed to follow God in the future? Whoever your pastor will be, whenever he comes, are you ready to commit to move forward and trust God? And for some of you here in person, some online, you've never given your life to Christ. And you need to do that today. By admitting that you're a sinner, saying, Lord, I know I I can't save myself. And I believe that Jesus died for me on a cross 2,000 years ago. He died, was buried, and the third day he arose. And I confess, I choose freely to give him everything. If you you would like to make that decision today, if you're online, just text the word today at 270-398-5005. But if you're here this morning in here, Will you make that decision? As we begin singing, if you just come to the front, talk to me or one of the ministers or after the service, meet one of us at the Connection Center. Maybe God is calling you to to join this church. Maybe God is calling you to the mission field. Maybe God is calling you to the ministry. Whatever it may be, today's the day to make that decision. Would you stand by your heads? Father in heaven, we thank you for this incredible promise that you give to us, that you will be with us if we serve you. And Father, if we are obedient to you, you're there with us. And so Father, forgive us when we look at people. Forgive us, Father, when we think people are irreplaceable. Because Father, the only person that's not irreplaceable is you. And so Father, today, if there's anyone who needs to give their life to you in a personal way, let today be that day. No more hesitation. No more delays. 
let them make that decision. Father, as the first service, if there's anyone who needs to join this church, even during this time of transition, it's okay because it's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.